Welcome to Learning Through Technology, a K-12 EdTech podcast brought to you by STS Education. We strive to be the bridge that connects communities of educators so that they can fulfill the promise of learning through technology. Join us every other week as we connect with education leaders who share their deep experience with the education and technology topics you are grappling with in your own schools and districts. Each interview is designed to bring you tangible ideas you can start using tomorrow. I'm Alex Inman, the founder of Educational Collaborators. And I'm Bob Sabruti, founder of the Edutech Group. Welcome to the show. Well, Bob, another week, and I am on the road to go see conferences, actually two conferences this week. I'll be heading to Google later this afternoon to go see the partner forum. So all of the Google partners get together at Google's headquarters, which is actually a pretty cool place, not going to lie. And then after that, I'm flying right to St. Louis for the National Association of Independent School Conferences, a bunch of heads of school and administrators and leaders from independent schools across the country. So did my invite get lost for going to Google? I'm just <laughs> curious here, Alex. You know, you're off to these conferences and leaving me home alone like Cinderella. Well, you know, Bob, I know that you guys do a lot with Google, but you got to be a formal partner and membership has its privileges. He's <laughs> very nicely played. Well, I think part of this is perhaps you looking out for me and my, I'm less enthusiastic about conferences than you, Alex. I've been to quite a few. You and I go to conferences together and you're like the mayor out there shaking hands, kissing babies and such. And <laughs> I'm not so much. So today we're going to talk a bit about conferences and their value. And we're going to start with you. Go figure. So Alex, tell us what it is that you find valuable about conferences. I love them, actually. Like, I was surprised early in my career when I found out that some administrators were hesitant and resistant to let their staff go to conferences because I found out that some people actually don't take advantage of the conference. They go on a trip and they think it's a trip and they use it as a mini paid vacation. And when I first saw that people were doing that, I was blown away. I'm like, why would you do that? I love conferences, Bob. Like, at least the people who do come, they want to be there. And so I've always been fond of saying that the smartest person in the room is the room. It's all of the people together and they all have a common interest in learning and growing. And the, the level of conversation just rises to a level where wisdom and knowledge just emerges from conversations that happen in conferences that I just don't know how to replicate any other way. I love them. I absolutely love them. I know you're not as big a fan. <laughs> Let's not say I'm not a fan of conferences. Let's say I'm a bit more skeptical than you. So your perfect world there sounds great. But you and I have been to lots of conferences, at least I have, where I've conferences are costly, not just in money, but time, sending your people to them, the travel, the toll it takes because their work's not getting done. So it needs to be of real value. And I have found that Conferences aren't always of that real value. And that's been a challenge for me outside of, we all know, and if you know Bob, you know he doesn't like to be around people. He's got this kind of agoraphobia people thing, but it has to be a value. And I share with my staff when we send them conferences, because we do, because there is value. And there are some conferences that we really find valuable and worth the time and effort. But I tell them, you may go to a conference, you may spend three days there to get one little nugget that's going to change the way you do business or the way you manage your technology department or the way you interact with teachers and staff. And that 
that can certainly be worth all of that time, but you don't always find that nugget, in my opinion. But what you're talking about is not the conference. You're talking about stuff that doesn't show up in the conference agenda, the keynote speaker and the expo and that stuff. That Nowhere in there is that time where you get together and you have real conversations. You're right. Not all conferences are equal, right? And the particular difference is in the caliber of the sessions or keynotes that are being offered, right? So I'm totally with you and I understand that. However, it's the real value to me emerges in the hallway or in the evening receptions or dare I say in the hotel lobby bar where you have a chance to chat with the other attendees about what it is that you saw. So it's no different than a classroom education, right? A teacher can be a talking head in a classroom. And we all know that that has a very limited amount of value. The real value comes when the teacher provides opportunities for people to deepen their knowledge. So maybe it's an activity, maybe it is a project, or maybe it is a reflection journal. And so that opportunity to engage with other people to check your own understanding and then gain other people's understanding, that's where the real value comes. And I guess I take for granted that good classroom instruction includes that opportunity for application and reflection. And so I bring that into every conference that I attend to. But you're right, actually. I think if you only went to a conference and only attended the keynotes, the workshops, and then went right back to your room and then answered email, you're missing the best part. So I'll give you a little credit on that. So we, we've said we it's well-established. Mark Bob down wouldn't... on your calendars, listeners. Bob just gave me credit for an idea. There's one. We'll <laughs> wait with bated breath for the next one. So it is true. So one of the best conversations I had at a conference was you and me and Denise Musselwhite, who was recently on in a lobby, not a bar, not a hotel lobby bar, just in the lobby. And we spent two hours in, and I learned a great deal. Like that conversation was very rewarding for me. I found it fascinating. But here's where the counterpoint to that, I guess, is, is those evenings I go because that's part of my job is to be at those because I'm looking for that knowledge. When I've invested my time, my personal time to be at a conference, I want to get the most out of it. So I go to those. And sometimes I have great conversations like I had with you and Denise and other times not so much. I think it's also the caliber of the people that are drawn to the conference as well and what they're out to get out of it. So you haven't convinced me that conferences are the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I do see your point in the value of them. I do think that their well-designed conferences are deliberate in creating time for people to interact with one another. So we just had our collaborator conference just this past weekend. That conference included short keynote sessions, and then longer periods of time for conversations for people to interact with one another. So even though it was a virtual conference, there was built in time for people to interact. Whether it's live or virtual, I think the good conferences create that opportunity. And as I think about it too, Bob, it's been a while since I sent someone to a conference who hadn't been to a conference before. And I learned that when you're sending someone to their first conference, send someone there to help make sure that they take advantage of that conference. So just like if you're giving somebody a new task and work, you coach them. If you're sending somebody to a conference, I think the same is true. Find a way 
to help them understand how to navigate that conference and get the most out of it. Alex, you bring up a good point about sending like a coach, a conference coach along, because my first conference as I went as a tech director, I had no experience in educational technology. I came in as an engineer and I looked at the agenda and I saw these sessions and this expo and who was in it. And I would make a list as an engineer, right? I'd go down and be like, I've got to stop at this vendor. I got to stop at this vendor. I got to stop at this vendor. And then I want to see this session. And I want to see this session. And, you know, I'm less than the most social person, certainly when compared to you. So it's been 20 years, but I probably did spend those evenings in a hotel room or having dinner with somebody that I knew already that was at the conference. And yeah, so I've probably missed out on that because I know when I go to conferences with you, you drag me out to those social events, which, as I said, led to conversations like we had with Denise that are very valuable. So I'm a social guy, right? So I love being out, right? Yeah, I know. That's big my ah! <laughs> so I don't think I realized how much people struggle with getting that kind of value out of conferences until I sent someone and heard their experience. And it was not at all what I anticipated their experience being. And so I think that when you're going to a conference, having somebody, like you said, kind of drag you out, somebody who is connected to the community, help connect you to the community. And also, you mentioned see a few vendors. That's another amazing place to learn is beyond the sessions, go to the vendor booths and don't just walk by them. Actually engage and find out what they're doing and why they're doing it. It may actually be a terrible solution for your school or district. That's okay. You still learn why it's a bad solution and then have those conversations. It only helps clarify for you in your own mind what you actually want or what you actually need whether it's good or bad. So for some people, particularly, it's just coming out of that social shell and starting a conversation. The nice part is everyone is there to meet someone. So it's a much lower social obstacle than just trying to meet someone at another place, perhaps. And you can always rely on work to talk about. You don't have to feel like you have to be the most interesting person in the world. You can just talk about work with anyone who's there and get some real value out of it. All right, you've convinced me. I'll let you drag me out at the next conference. <laughs> I don't know if you're intending to go to the Spring Q conference, which is coming up in the middle of March, but that conference is a model when it comes to creating deliberate opportunities for people to socially engage with one another because they know that that social engagement is how you create the connections so that those valuable conversations can occur. And you and I, very recently, had a chance to talk to Christine Feenstra, the executive director of Q, who sort of oversees that Q Spring Conference in Palm Springs, which there are worse places in the world to go for a conference than Palm Springs. And we had a chance to chat with her a couple of weeks ago. That was at a conference of our own doing. That's true. That was a conference that I enjoyed. And it was at Universal Studios. Like, we recorded live at Universal Studios. Like, how freaking awesome is that? Like, we're that big time, like man. We're big time. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. We had a live studio audience at our own conference, Studio Learning Conference in Universal Studios, and had a chance to meet with Christine. What do you say we get into that interview? All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Today is a little bit different, a little special. We are doing this recorded in front of a live studio audience at the STS Education 
Studio of Learning event. And you may hear a little bit of background noise from our audience as we are recording this, but I think we're going to have a pretty fun show. So today we are joined by Christine Feenstra. Christine stands at the forefront of education technology as the executive director of Q Computer Using Educators, where she spearheads initiatives aimed at integrating cutting edge technology into the educational landscape. Her journey in this field is marked by a profound commitment to enhancing learning experiences and teacher professional development. With her leadership, Q has become a beacon for educators seeking to harness the power of technology for students advancing in California and beyond. Before her tenure at Q, Christine's career spanned various influential roles across a variety of sectors. This diverse background has enriched her understanding of how technology can be effectively woven into the educational fabric. Christine's journey from sectors outside of ed tech to a role focused solely on educational technology offers a wealth of insights, making her a valuable voice in discussions about the future of ed tech in schools. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. What an introduction. I really appreciate that. Oh, we're so glad to have you. So, Christine, Q is a very popular organization in California, but we have listeners outside of California, such as Bob's daughter, who accounts for 50% of our listeners outside of the company in Ohio. And so for her and the other few listeners outside of California that listen to our podcast, tell us what Q is and how does it work with schools and districts? Yeah. So Q is a nonprofit member-based association. It was started in the late 70s by, I know, before I was born, I'd like to add, <laughs> by a group of educators who were using these crazy new things called computers. And as their use increased and they saw the opportunities to utilize computers in the education space, so did the need for a community of people who would help with mentorship, with professional development, networking, and thus Q was born. So we started as computer using educators, as I mentioned, in the late 70s, and we have evolved quite a bit over time because computers are ubiquitous. Right. Every educator is a computer every teacher is a computer using educator now. Right? And so our role has transitioned over time. We've had a number of transitions. And right now I would say that Q is an organization that supports educators who are really committed to not just traditional learning, but 21st century learning and to using education technology in very intentional ways, not just to use ed tech for ed tech, to use it in a way that helps enhance equity, bridges gaps with student learning, and that allows teachers to get inspired and innovate. That's awesome. So I've been in this industry for a long time. And I've known of Q, even though I was not a California educator, I've known of Q for almost all of my career. I had no idea it was started so long ago. We're moving into our 46th year right now. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And again, as a, the, a new leader of the organization, uh, it, it is a little difficult to say Q and not explain the full story, right? Because the evolution of the organization is very distinct. So no yeah. longer just computer using educators, but rather an organization that supports all educators in their efforts to integrate technology into teaching. Yeah. So I have a question for Alex before you, Christine. My question for Alex is what, you were in your mid-30s or so then when Q was founded? <laughs> <laughs> so, Christine, it's a time of transition at Q. You've been there just a few months, a handful of months, and you and I have something in common that a lot of people don't know is I started my career outside of education, as did you. So 
when I started in education, it was all new to me. Like the only thing I had to do at school was, well, I occasionally attended, <laughs> occasionally being the key word there. But I, that was my idea of school. He's not telling you it's because the teachers didn't want them there. Well, <laughs> mutual consent, we'll say. Mutual consent. Much, much like some of the meetings I'm forced to attend. Um, so, Christine, now that you're at you and you've been there for a few months and you've spent half of your career, a good portion of your career outside, what is it that has struck you about Q? What brought you to Q? What made you decide to make that transition? Yeah, well, I'd like to be very clear. I'm on month four. It feels like month 12, but it's month four. <laughs> You'll and, find in education, it goes very fast. Yeah. <laughs> and while I am not an educator, I'm not a teacher, I do have some experience working in the education landscape. So I spent just under five years as the director of member learning at Head Start California. Head Start California is a organization in California that supports Head Start programs through advocacy, professional development, and networking. And it's a very unique organization because while they're federally funded programs, they're locally implemented and they're often co-located with a state preschool. So I'm aware of the players, but not necessarily the game. What drew me to Q, honestly, was the very rich history and the potential. Our organization has ebbed and flowed over the years, like many nonprofits that have been around this long. But the one thing that struck out to me is that the people that are part of Q, the volunteers, the leadership, the staff are all deeply committed to this work. Teachers are a special breed. I know this because my grandmother is a retired sixth grade teacher. She's 87 years old. And I can't think of a conversation we have where that's not mentioned. So I've always been told how important a teacher is in a child's life. But these are teachers that are taking it to the next level. They're seeking out new, innovative ways to come back very intentionally and expand their impact. So right off the bat, sold me. These are people that I want to work in support of, and it's a privilege and an honor, honestly. We offer professional learning. We offer mentorship. We convene people. The, the secret sauce with Q is the community. Community. <laughs> We're going to have to come up with something like that. For I know, ourselves. I know. <laughs> We're going to have to have some sort of I podcast. Truly, it's the truth. And we are not just you, but we have 25 or so affiliate members. And so those are local organizations that are really boots on the ground in the area. Because as we know, the educational landscape is very different up at the tip of California as it is in, say, L.A. County. And that's where our affiliates come in. So they're working at the local level to provide those opportunities for convening, for mentorship, for networking, and for professional learning. Q, we're the perfect partner for that. And I think nonprofit associations in general, this is where their strength is. Yeah, that's awesome. So Q hosts your marquee event here shortly, uh, March 21st through the 23rd in Palm Springs. I hope my invite is in the mail. Um, (laughs) Tell us a bit about the conference. This is where you bring your community together. Oh, I know, nailed it. Oh, nailed, yeah, nailed it. it. <laughs> so tell us a bit about that. I am always quick to remind people that Q is more than our spring event. As you said, it's our marquee event. It's, we're really known for it. It's the largest ed tech conference on the West Coast. Each year we descend upon the town of Palm Springs and really take it over. Wow, We're seeing big. at about 4,500 people right now. These educators come from across the country. Our membership consists of California, Nevada, and Southern Oregon, but attendees for the spring conference, actually, we have international attendees. 
So what you can expect at this conference is nothing short of amazing, in my opinion. I say that as someone that has not attended. But I have spent the first four months looking at the footage, the old programming, and really speaking to people about their experiences at the spring event. So it's close to 300 workshops, multiple keynotes, different activations, an esports tournament, esports lounge, and then again, the community. So our affiliates host meetups. And this is where I think, again, a member-based association really is key in advancing one's career. I experienced this myself. People come together and there's that peer-to-peer learning that occurs. The learning that occurs as you're walking to the next session is often more important than the learning that occurs in the sessions. And I hear about this all the time. I learned at Q, Spring Q, something, something. And then they're taking that learning and they're bringing it back to their schools and they're implementing. Yeah, I've been to several Spring Qs. That is the thing that stands out to me is I've been to a lot of smaller conferences where they have that sense of community. Unions. Nope, where they have the sense of community. Uh, when he looks like that, he's trying to I be clever. You're <laughs> You'll have to excuse him. And oftentimes those are conferences that have like 500 or fewer people, mm-hmm. right? Where they really are smaller, tighter organizations. And you experience what you just described, where perhaps some of the greatest value that you bring from the conference is not from the keynote or the session, but actually what happens in between, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go to huge conferences like ISTE, right? And, uh, and, and you're kind of lost in a sea of people, mm-hmm. but there's some amazing sessions and amazing people and a vendor hall that is just like five football fields large and stuff. And so you can just swim in a sea of opportunity to learn and grow. Spring Q is like the best of both of those brought together, right? It's large, but you don't feel lost. And it has a sense of community, now I they see that, that you only get at that conference. It's the only one that I've gotten at that conference of that size. And I don't know the magic that you guys spin to make that happen, where you get the best of a small conference and the best of a big conference all together into one. But that is what happens in Palm Springs. And people told me that before I went for years. And I was like, mm, you know, whatever. And it's Palm Springs. And I'm like, hey, I'm not dropping the coin to go to Palm Springs. That feels a little expensive. And then I finally went and I saw exactly what they were saying. And there's no such thing as too much of an expense to get to that conference because the value so vastly outweighs the cost. It's really incredible. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Again, I say this as someone that hasn't physically attended, but as studying this. I can tell you how this is achieved. It's deliberate and it's intentional. Okay. It's not just throwing up a bunch of workshops and some general now, you sessions. you know this is recorded. So you're sharing your secret sauce with everyone out there, all 11 listeners. We replicated, Alex. Okay, all right. So how do you do this? The secret sauce is our membership. It's the community. It's the affiliates. They come together intentionally. They host their own regional meetup. All of this is well thought out. It isn't just a coincidence. And we really try to balance the sessions and the number of sessions, which is hard to balance on a conference that size, with the free time for people to spend together and have those conversations with the activations and the playground and the exhibit hall, which is very important because we could do none of this without our partners and sponsors. And so I will say, I hear that a lot. This is unlike any other conference. ViewSonic is your go-to for engaging students, fostering collaboration, and elevating learning outcomes. Offering a broad array of future-ready visual solutions, training, and tools that adapt to your school's changing needs, 
eSonic is more than a brand. It's your educational edge. Explore the possibilities today at www.viewsonic.com edu and witness how innovation meets expertise in the world of education technology. Tell our listeners what a Q-boom is. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked about this because it is unique. So a Q-boom is an activation that we put together wherein we ask our members to submit on a topic and we call them their three-minute mic drops, right? So it's a topic they're passionate about. And it really allows members and event attendees who have maybe not spoken professionally, they're not at that level, but they're interested. And so it gives them this opportunity to experience on a larger scale. The fall event, a, a very small event compared to our spring event, a baby event, we did it on a stage for the first time. And it was so well received. At the end of each, you know, again, it's a topic someone's passionate about. And they put a little presentation, three minutes. And then at the very end, everybody goes, boom. <laughs> and it's really energetic. So this year at Spring Q, we're doing it on the keynote stage. With oh, an nice. All behind us. And oh, wow. we're sitting more folks and we're offering formal mentorship. So if you are quite literally someone that has never gotten in front of a microphone like myself and before today, <laughs> we'll have the opportunity to meet with the staff and ask questions and receive feedback and mentorship, really. And it's something that I would like to lean into more in the future because I think mentorship is key. Succession planning and looking at new educators. Q is a very soft place for folks to land. And it's a priority of mine that everybody feel included and that they have the opportunities to participate. And this is a great first chance to do that. Uh, that it's something else. It's really amazing. Christine, you said that it's three minutes that mm -hmm. they're on stage. Mm -hmm. huh. Alex. <laughs> Just saying. I would like you, to you, 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 right. <laughs> we'll need a little more time than three minutes. I'll tell you what, if you do it in three minutes, I'll yell boom. <laughs> or I won't. So I've never been to Q. I will come if Alex will keep it to three minutes. Because <laughs> when you said you descend on Palm Springs, I sort of thought that's how Alex kind of managed this podcast. He descends upon us <laughs> for the podcast. So tell me, it's a huge undertaking, right? Yeah. Put this, we're recording this from our own event. Yeah. We have an incredible group of volunteers, a planning committee, volunteers that work on site. We have incredible partners that help support this, leadership that helps support this. I'm excited. And I'm really excited this year because the enthusiasm I feel on the staff, again, like we came out of COVID, a little shaky, resources were tightened, but we're back to the older version of Spring Q and we have some really exciting things planned. What does that mean? The older version and, and yeah. what can you share about yeah. the exciting things? Well, okay. So what I've been doing is that at Spring Q, especially in our keynotes, it was an experience, right? Like, the latest and greatest in technology was on display. And you know, at one point, there were shark drones, I believe, and balloons that were caught in the ceiling that we were fine for. with laser beams on their head, <laughs> No, perhaps. no. <laughs> I got you in Austin Powers over there. Way to work in the uh, pop reference. I got it. We had to get one in. We haven't no gotten point. any pop references in this episode. <laughs> but we really tried to look at our keynotes in particular very intentionally and plan for an experience that people would leave with inspiration and excitement. And so one of those is going to be a virtual field trip with California State Department of Parks. So when I started with Q, I was a little confused about this relationship. It wasn't inherent to me why 
to an ed tech organization would partner and support parks. But the truth of the matter is, California State Department of Parks has been innovative with education technology before anyone else I can think of, which is not something you look to the state for normally. Right. And so you <laughs> has a long-term partnership and grant support where we help them implement their ports program. It's Parks Online Resources Teachers Students. And there's a sub-program in there called Passports, and it's blended learning where Title I schools are allowed to apply for funding where they take part in a virtual learning experience about the park and the culture and the history, and then they receive transportation funds to go and visit the park and have a guide, and then they come back and do some reflection work. And we're really going to highlight that again as one of our keynotes. We are going to take virtual field trips to different state parks and show that this is available to y'all. This is available to teachers should they choose to participate and how this is an example of teaching differently. I'm just kind of interested in this because we do a lot of support with like one of our partners, Lenovo, on the mm -hmm. VR classrooms, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So do you integrate virtual reality into these as well? I can't reveal too much. Oh, it's a secret. We got to go to the Spring Q conference Spring to find Q. out. Spring uh, uh, to register and then you'll see it. Oh, okay. Can you give us any other reveals about the conference? So you were at Fall Q, and I hope this doesn't feel duplicative because it's not. We also had an incredible group called Schoolyard Rap perform. And I have to say, so again, this is a baby conference, 350 people at a very tiny sort of remote location. And this incredible artist, Rio B, came in and demonstrated what his group does, which is they use rap and music and performance to share histories about people of color, minorities. And it was so impactful. I mean, again, I was very new, but I'm looking around and people are in tears. People are moving. He had us up all dancing. You're up dancing. The and energy was insane. I don't consider myself sort of a slacker when it comes to understanding history. I really enjoy it. But I learned in those songs. There were several things that I learned about American history yeah. and, and his so music. Fantastic. What we saw there was this much of what they do. They are a traveling performance. It includes, I think it's like 20-something performers. So we are going to experience the full show at Spring Q with B and Schoolyard Rap. And I'm very excited about that as well. Okay. I'm really excited about the conference. <laughs> I got my invite, Bob. I'm going. <laughs> you have your people call my people. It's time for Alex and I's Friendly Wager. And we're going to find out if you've actually been listening to our podcast. Okay, this, is our, here we go. this is our last question, and I shall ask it. I'm on a streak right now. I've won two in a row. So would you tell us, who was your favorite teacher or a teacher that most influenced Ms. you? Miss Venetia, sixth grade. Okay, just so you know. Boom! I know, no, no, you no, don't win. I prepped her. Yes, I, but I knew the second he said it. I will not, I will be, I'm you owe me a boom, Alex. Boom! That's right. I, Three in a row. When he showed me that question, because it was so impactful. So tell us. Yeah. So in sixth grade, my family, we moved from Sacramento, which was like a city environment, up to a rural environment. We moved into El Dorado County, which is, you all are from here, but it's about 30, 40 minutes in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. It's a little tiny town that you stop, you would maybe blink and you miss it. Now it's much bigger, but at the time, five or so years ago, when I was in sixth grade. And I struggled with the adjustment. I struggled with making friends. I think that the social emotional part of moving schools at that kind of tricky age for a young girl that was already not all that confident, it really impacted me. And this teacher, I don't know the details. I, could, I probably should have called my mom and asked her because she would know. 
she instilled confidence in me. She told me I could. She identified when I was struggling and pulled me aside. I could get weepy right now talking about it because it changed the trajectory of my probably my friendships and just the way that I interacted with school. I was really struggling and she saw that and I will never forget her. That's awesome. And now you're the executive director of an organization that supports Wild. educators. Oh, Wild. I just think it's I just think it's beautiful. I think it's fantastic. So And it's also good that I win. I have a similar story. I knew right away, even though I wasn't a great student. So I knew as yeah, well. I wasn't a great student either, FYI. I was struggling socially, emotionally. I was outstanding. <laughs> Alex, we, Alex, anybody who's listened to this knows you sat at the front of the room with your hand up, knowing the answer to every question. In case you wondered where I was, I was in the back of the room making fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had shared with folks that when my older sister would come through school, she was perfect. And so they're like, oh, you're Teresa's brother. And then my younger brother would come to them. Oh, you're Alex's brother. So... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think my sister had the inverse of that. They'd be like, oh, you're just an sister. But my sister was an angel. So. <laughs> so the other thing that we ask people at the end of the show to share is, are there any resources that you want our audience to hear? And we're going to also put these into the show notes as well. But here live, tell us. So in full transparency, as I keep saying, we are in a state of transition. Our website is in a state of transition, but we have no shortage of content and ideas. And so in the next few months, you're going to see that change. I will say still visit Q.org. And what you will learn is not just about what it means to be a Q member, but how you can participate in one of our affiliates. And that, I think, as we move in this post-COVID world, affiliates are in-person, their in-person connection beyond waiting once a year for our spring event. And so learning more about the opportunities to participate at the affiliate level, I think is really important. When you join Q, our membership dues are $40. $40. Discounts to events, professional learning every month for free. And then you can participate in our online like learning portal where you will see all the events posted, some engagement there. All of this will enhance in the next year. But yeah, I, I would suggest going to springq, springq.org for the conference. Very important. And Q.org to learn more about how you can get involved with Q at the local level through one of our affiliates. That's awesome. Do you have affiliates outside of California? We do. So our membership consists of California, which is the largest, and then Nevada and Southern Oregon. Okay, excellent. And if you are outside of those areas, can you still join Q as a member? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We encourage participation and for any educator that is interested in learning how they can connect with other like-minded educators to use technology intentionally in the classroom. Great. Well, I mean, the work that you guys do, the resources and support that you provide is practically unparalleled. And so I would encourage educators, if you have not already done so, take a look at their site and attend the conferences, meet the community. And learn from one another because the community really is a wonderful community. Christine, thank you so much for coming down, joining us at this event and being on our show today. Thank you. It's been a real privilege. It's been the honor of my professional life to join Q as its leader. I take it the responsibility very seriously and I'm having the time of my life. And this has just been wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, Bob. There was our first live recording. What struck you about our conversation with Christine? Complete terror. <laughs> I don't I don't 
I don't know why you make me do this, Alex, when clearly you would like to interview people. What struck me, I will say again that I won, but, you know, it's an ongoing joke, right, with us that I was not a good student. My attendance was irregular, we'll say. But I had two favorite teachers, Mr. Wampum and Ms. Parrish, and they made a difference in my life. And to see somebody like Christine come in, who's not an educator, but has been close to one and have her life affected by that and now have this opportunity to lead an organization such as you, that's what's stuck with me. Easy for me to say now I sound like you. (laughs) How about you, Alex? Well, very much the same. I think it's amazing to be sort of together while we did this, even though like managing the audio is a crazy nightmare, but the opportunity to sort of see and sense the emotion when she talked about her grandmother and the role that that played on her. And then when she almost wept talking about her own teacher, you can see that passion translate into her advocacy and role as executive director. I think these are very exciting times for the Q organization. Yeah, I think they're lucky to have her. It makes me think of this and and maybe you'll be like, Bob, why are we talking about that? But it makes me think that I hope Every kid, every student, every Bob, every Christine, and you too, Alex, (laughs) has that teacher that reaches them because I know most of them didn't reach me. So it's nice to know that it's not just me that was not so good student who had a teacher reach me. And it's nice to know there's one of those people that recognize that leading such an organization. Well, if you want to meet many of those kinds of educators, they're going to be in Palm Springs at the Q conference. So I hope you have a chance to come. Bob and our audience, and and I look forward to being there myself. I'll see you next time, Alex. Learning Through Technology, a K-12 EdTech podcast is brought to you by STS Education, a Pacific one-source company. To learn more about how educators can leverage technology to drive successful educational outcomes, check us out at www.stsed.com. Connect with us by searching for Learning Through Technology in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or anywhere else podcasts are found. And click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. On behalf of the team at STS Education, thanks for joining us.